welcome to the Orion Open Science Podcast. I'm Emma Harris. I'm Louisa Bengtsson. And we're broadcasting to you from Berlin, Germany. Today we're talking about preprints, and we're going to talk to two scientists from the MDC, uh, Dr. Manu Singh and uh, Elias Lowenstein, a PhD student here, about their experiences using preprints. What are actually preprints? So the definition, as I understand it, of a preprint is a manuscript that is made publicly available before the process of peer review. A large number of journals accept this, so this is something that a concern that's been raised. Well, if I publish in a preprint, will I then be prohibited from publishing in a journal, which is a fair question. Um, and a large number of journals will accept a manuscript that's a preprint because there's going to be so many changes that it's not the same document. But um, you should check. If you've got a particular journal in mind that you want to publish in, you should double check. And there's a list available on Wikipedia, which we will link to in the show notes. Um, so don't just go and put it on BioArchive and then, oops, it's too late. Mm. Make sure you, you've got your plan in place first. Of course, there is something said for like, you know, planning your publication strategy that to include a preprint. And, yeah, um, a lot of the solutions that you hear about are quite complicated and expensive. And this is simple and free, which makes a, a refreshing change. Oh, that sounded like a preprint commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and you also get white at eat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have to admit, I was before cautious and having talked to the two scientists you're going to hear shortly, I'm now a convert. I am I am a hundred percent paid up member of the preprint pro club. That's yeah. not a real thing, by the way, guys. You can't try. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish there was a club like that when I was doing research. Um, there's there are some good reasons for why, and these you will hear from our guest today. So, indeed, you will. So over to Manu. looking for uh, so genetic aberrations or epigenetic aberrations which is causing uh, preeclampsia so that is pregnancy disease yeah. <clears throat> so women when they get pregnant sometimes uh, they have a uh, hypertension and high blood pressure and all those things so the quality of embryo or quality of the placenta goes bad yeah. so i like this research because this is also against the uh, flow because a lot of people they think that it is happening because of the heart disease some say that it is kidney disorder because um, because the clinical uh, phenotype what you have is high blood pressure or proteinuria mm. in the kidney yeah. and all and we published in circulation uh, last year with Yulia that uh, it is happening because of uh, poor quality of placenta and some genes they should be really silent from sperm side mm -hmm. you know not from the mother side but from yeah. the father side they should be silent and sometimes the regulation is going wrong mm -hmm. and these genes they get activated yeah. and they are kind of uh, dangerous for those kind of uh, trophoblast or placenta and it's the retroviruses viruses which activate those genes or we don't have proof for that okay. but we see the dysregulation of retroviruses in those okay. kind of things mm -hmm. but 
what the proof we had and what we published is that it's paternal gene which should be silent and they get start activated and so it's not mother's fault it's basically the it's father's fault it's the man it's the man it's always the man and i was talking to someone in one conference and uh, it was interesting and he was like uh, no it's a heart disease you see high blood pressure you see this it's not a placenta disease and i'm like okay <laughs> What happened is uh, my girlfriend uh, she was watching this celebrity gossips and all mm-hmm. and she told me one day that you know what uh, Kim Kardashian had a preeclampsia mm-hmm. so she had preeclampsia so she said you know what they so they they found a surrogate mother yeah. for uh, Kanye West sperm yeah. and surrogate mother also got preeclampsia <gasps> and the surrogate mother had three very healthy um, mm-hmm. pregnancy before that and as she got a uh, canivest sperm <laughs> she gets preeclampsia and then i was telling this i wrote to this professor who was in i won't say the name but i wrote to this professor that have you seen this thing and you still think that it is heart disease i say that it is bad sperm which is and causing what did he say and he was and he, he replied me very funny he said that, why would you watch all kind of this <laughs> celebrity gossip <laughs> Science. <laughs> oh my God, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West have actually done so good for the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah, good. this is amazing. Yeah, and uh, and the thing that these kind of experiments you cannot do on live humans, right? Well, you always no. do on something. Yeah. And here we have. We do it on celebrities. <laughs> and here we have the live experiment in the world going on. Yeah. So we would trust more on them rather than doing on the rats or mice or. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay. cool, but um, yeah. so Manu, uh, some of this research, uh, which is really truly fantastic, I love yeah. how you talk about. Uh, we want to talk to you because you publish preprint, so you publish your work as preprint. Yes, and we wonder why you're doing this and what do you get out of this. I published nineteen uh, papers uh, by the time I finished my PhD, and I know how difficult it is to publish. So, for example, if you have a story, you send it to a journal. reviewers editors and you know they keep coming mm-hmm. back and they would ask you to modify so many things in your manuscript of course it is for good it improves the manuscript but when i look at the manuscripts which is published and uh, the content of that yeah. and then i ask this question that this is not what i had written first time yeah i had written in more fancy way i had written in something really in so i re- i wrote those manuscript in my own signature but now we are publishing it in the journal signature yes. so if someone really wants to know what do i write what do i do research on he cannot find that in the published material preprints you give them and they would publish as it is yes. first thing it 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 saves your uh, authenticity yes i understand second thing is that it's science has become very competitive especially when you're working on uh, hot topics which is and so much data is available nowadays anyone can create a story by the time your manuscript for example if you're if you're targeting um, uh, to publish your manuscript in very big impact factor journal mm-hmm. so of course you go to conferences you talk about that right and then there are some predators there are this uh, research parasites who are in these conferences mm-hmm. they would just take your idea they would download some data they would show it and they know that if we are targeting in some uh, high fi journal it would take a year or two years for me to publish what they would do they would just send the same content mm. to a 
to some journal whose review process is so fast and it's not very fascinating journal, mm -hmm. they would get it published within a month or within two months or three months. And then what I do, is it my mistake that I chose a hi-fi journal to publish my research? But my research is scooped. Mm -hmm. And after that, a reviewer says to me, and he had that, what is novel? This thing has published before two months. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with that because mm -hmm. I submitted my manuscript before one year. And in mm -hmm. one year, of course, someone published it and finally it came back. I couldn't publish that uh, thing, mm -hmm. so I had to modify a lot and blah, blah. With preprints, it's it's a copyright you have mm -hmm. that to the world, you gave this information first, okay? And uh, so today, so at this, so, so in the present time, we have uh, so much of this socialization thing. So yeah. everyone knows that it is your research, first of all. Second, if it is very hard, then you get more citations. Uh, so, for example, if you have one research in preprint, mm -hmm. and they know that more or less what is the story you have. Yeah. And if someone is conducting their research, they can really cite you r right away. You can cite preprints, that is acceptable for many journals. And by the time your paper is published, you already have some citations, and the citations, they grow exponentially. So, there are uh, some people who did statistical analysis, that same uh, class of the paper if you have preprint and if you don't have preprint, which one is getting more cited? The one which is with the preprint gets cited threefold more mm -hmm. than uh, which doesn't have preprint. So that's interesting because, I mean, the, the impact factor is based on the citations from the journals. So it's actually good for the journals that people do preprints, right? Because oh, yeah, you yeah. basically boost the impact factor of the journal mm -hmm. yes, in yes, the end yes. by doing the preprint as yes. well. Yes, for example, some journals like uh, PLOS Genetic, yeah. they say that we would accept right away from preprint. For example, cell. Yeah. Uh, so they say that. Uh, I mean, we got some uh, some emails from um, from journals that oh, we saw your manuscript uh, on Bioarchive, and uh, we were just wondering that have you already communicated to some journal or you're finding it because we are interested in the story. Oh wow! Oh, wow. So, okay. Okay. so that is also one of the very nice advantage that yeah. you just make your manuscript public, and then you ask this question that who is interested to publish this research. So you don't have like an to auction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so that gives you a way. So, I mean, for me, I'm I'm sorry to use. Uh, I'm sorry to say, but I mean, nowadays this reviewers thing and the comments and it's sometimes it's just like you know you are you're just prostitute. Mm. You're just dancing on their tone. Yeah. Dancing yeah. on your tune because you're hungry to publish. Yeah. If you mm. yeah, and this impact factor things and I mean it's so funny that still uh, we are using this word impact factor yeah uh, so impact factor was uh, first introduced by libraries in US that you know those books or those journals which are read more mm. by uh, readers so they have to keep because you can keep limited amount of journals in your library mm. so that's why they decided they made this class of impact factor that those journals which were read more by readers we would keep them because they have more impact on people on journal mm. I mean, nowadays uh, you go on internet and every content is available to you. So doesn't really. So everyone is reading. Doesn't matter they are citing you or yeah. not. And most of the journals they have like limited citation uh, that how many papers you can cite and all. So that also really kills your citation. If, for example, yeah. if you published very nice research in uh, plus genetics, yeah. and the same research is published just by showing 
in vivo things or you know deeper characterization in nature mm. and there is also a statistical analysis which says that that manuscript will be cited more mm. the one which is in nature not in the plot genetics mm. uh, and this is also not good for uh, journals because mm. what you see that high impact journals they are growing higher and higher every year mm. and low impact journals they are growing lower and lower mm. every year i mean when i say plot genetics when it came it was 13 or 14 impact factor now it's 6 or 7 mm. so mm. so they are not just predating the uh, authors they are predating the lower journals also mm. it's, it's it has it has this corporate kind of yeah so i'm little and comfortable okay. with that we haven't thought about that angle yet that's a yeah it's a new new topic for the podcast it's like a, the snake eating itself yeah it's like it's destroying the, itself yeah yeah um, but yeah but i mean sometimes uh, those journals with low impact mm. you you find a very superficial research in those journals so that's also i don't like i mm. i don't think there should not be that many journals as many we have now mm. there's so many predatory journals you keep getting these emails oh do you want to publish in our journal and this this blah blah and when you look at the content what they publish mm. you really want to be impolite with them you mm. really want to tell them that please don't send me emails mm. i mean what you probably there was one paper in plus one they published that god's made this hands in a way that our carpels and metacarpels can move that way and i'm like okay i promise i would never publish in plus one <laughs> <laughs> how that how did that sneak in <laughs> maybe it was some kind of prank of someone uh, yeah, like to yeah. test uh, how yeah. how good they are spotting these things um yeah. do you, did you have any um bad experiences with preprints bad experience with preprints uh, no 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 i never had any actually i actually had a more good experience with the preprints so like uh, on every preprint i have on average 50 more followers on my twitter with the preprints uh, it's a very big uh, uh, it's a very big step which also challenges you know the corporate behavior of yeah. journals mm. you know like a lot of journals they are not open access yeah. so i mean for us it's good we can access a lot of journals we are in mdc mm-hmm. but uh, but the person on the street how many journals he can really open okay alias Could you tell us about your experience with preprints um and whether you feel that they're a positive for research? Right to publish our story in a few journals and received an unfavorable outcome. And at this point, people started to get a little bit worried, are we going to get scooped? Is someone going to beat us to the punch? So we decided to uh publish our our stories a preprint. And then after this, then we were still at the same time submitting it to a journal. and then it finally got accepted about 5 months later the whole thing of being scooped and i think this is maybe a kind of negative thing of science but it's all about who's there first but when you publish a preprint article it comes stamped with the date the day the month the year so if you're there first in a preprint okay granted it's not a peer review publication but you're still first So I don't know especially now where preprints are coming more and more into the mainstream how someone can really argue ah I didn't know that it was published before I found a preprint that was actually 
potentially useful for my work. Mm -hmm. I ended up not actually using the protocol that they described. But the thing that really struck me is that it wasn't published. At the time that I found it, it was still just a preprint. And it wasn't published in a, a traditional journal. So if I had just looked on traditional journals on PubMed, I wouldn't have found it. One of the things that I like about preprints is that it's a, a step in the direction of changing scientific publishing to make it more open and kind of mm -hmm. to open the doors that, that there's something new out there. And this is, to me, one of the biggest problems in science is that we work from public money. Mm. And it's insane to me that a taxpayer can pay for us to do work and then we publish it in a journal that's close to them. And how can you be paying for something and then not be able to access it yourself? And I think preprints are a way that to change that, to make it our work that we do with taxpayer money, to make it accessible for everyone. Um, journals now are changing in response to preprints. And I think that even if preprints make a small change in a journal, that, that would be a great thing. Okay, great. Very cool. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Okay, so for me, um, I think it was really interesting that the primary reason that both of them raised was that they wanted to mark propriety, that they, they, they wanted to make sure that it was noted that they were first so they wouldn't get scooped. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's kind of surprising. I mean, first of all, I found it kind of interesting that none of them had any cons. Yeah, <laughs> like no. Against preprints, like nothing. Um, and second, uh, the usual critique of preprints, uh, at least the that I've seen, the only critique was, well, but then you get scooped. Uh, well, while in reality, this is actually opposite. So, I, Especially for early career researchers who, who I think, suffer disproportionately with the, the scooping and, and the review process oh, yeah. taking longer and maybe not being as familiar with what publications they should use and stuff. To have that safeguard, I think, is, is really important, really important. Definitely. Uh, I was just thinking, you know, um, networking, actually. Students uh, get sent to those seminars, the so-called transferable skills courses or soft skills courses, where they learn how to network. And um, usually um, you then hear things like, well, you have to build your network by going to conferences and talk about uh, your research. Um, and usually then the students say, well, yeah, I would love to, but I'm not allowed because, uh, well, then I get scooped or, you know, my PI yeah. doesn't want me to show my research and so on. And I was just thinking, well, preprint, what a fantastic <laughs> solution. Yeah. What, a, what a promotion of your career, your, yeah, your network, everything, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, very encouraging. I really liked uh, Yeah, And it works the other way around. Because that was the other thing that he, um, Elias found the the protocol. I mean, he didn't use it, but he said it was really useful. Yeah. So it, it it's not just sharing your preprints. You should also like look on BioArchive and yeah. you whatever your subject equivalent is to find new ideas like really quickly. Yeah, actually, I saw something on ResearchGate <coughs> recently that you can search preprints directly from from ResearchGate, okay. which is kind of a nice feature. So um, yeah. Well, let's hope maybe one day um, PubMed will include the yeah that would be good the preprint um, papers yeah. Um, yeah 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 so um, and yeah. and I I really liked what Manu said about authenticity yeah about the by the time you've gone to the peer review and the editorial process you've written a paper that sounds like the journal yeah um and you lose your voice and you lose your enthusiasm yeah but by publishing a preprint oh you know that happened actually to me I mean I hmm? I mean I 
I did science way before preprints existed, so <laughs> it's been a while. But um, I remember right, I was writing a review for, for a journal, and um, I really like to write. And I don't think that science has to be written in a very boring way. So um, I was using a lot of like, metaphors. And, well, okay, you could argue maybe it's not the best literary work of you know, art or whatever. But still, you know, I was really into it and it was mm. my my way to express myself and I got this really, I mean, actually two reviewers really liked it, <laughs> but one was like, what is this kind of esoteric uh, writing and <sighs> this is not science and uh, you should not uh, put your personality into writing, which actually put me off a bit. I was really like, what? <laughs> oh, <No>, that's <laughs> awful. Know, actually, I mean, now we talk about like actually bringing the scientist, the, the person, um, yeah. you know, forward like would, do we not have enough jargon and, and this is not a science problem this is you, you know humanities as well um where you have you know pages and you're just you're not quite sure what anyone's saying because it's just jargon and, yeah you know it's just posturing and yeah. it's, it's just say what you mean yeah you know um if you can't explain an idea simply you don't understand it and i've always got told off for writing into conversational style Actually, it should be a conversation, right? I mean, like when yeah. you're writing for an audience, it should be a conversation with the audience, but... Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, uh, maybe the preprints can change that too. Yeah, maybe I'll publish my original thesis, the one before I had to make all the, the revisions. <laughs> I'll publish that on preprint. As a postprint. <laughs> yeah, postprint. Like, this is what I wanted to write. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, hope uh, you guys enjoyed uh, and learned something about preprints. And um, Yeah, and um, I think... I think I've been convinced because I, I was sort of keeping a very neutral position because I'm not I don't like to be one of these open science people who are like yeah hey, yeah yeah everything's great and no negative mm. but talking to actual scientists I I'm pretty convinced that there are not really any downsides to preprint and and go forth and preprint yes <laughs> do it just do it <laughs> yes. okay uh, yeah so until next week thank you for joining us and follow us on Twitter at OOSP, that's Orion Open Science Podcast, um, or drop us an email at orion at mdc-berlin.de or for the German listeners, orion at mdc-berlin.de. The show is brought to you by the EU-funded Orion Open Science Project. The music is written and produced by Fabio de Miguel. Sound mixing is done by Paolo Oliveira. You can get the podcast from wherever you normally get your podcast from and it's available every Thursday. Thank you for listening. Join us next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.